0: And on this week's show, we start looking ahead to the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in Morocco, with the tournament just around the corner. Also, we speak to Aston Villa's Zimbabwean midfielder, Marvellous Nakamba, who says it's great working with Liverpool legend Stephen Gerrard.
1: And also for me, to be coached by him, for me, he was my role model growing up here in Zimbabwe.
0: That's coming later, plus we look at why Sadio Mane might have left Liverpool for Bayern Munich. But first, it's just a week to go to the Africa Women's Cup of Nations finals in Morocco, running from the 2nd to the 23rd of July in two cities, that's Rabat and Casablanca. Morocco will play Burkina Faso in the opening game. Now the tournament doubles up as the African qualifiers for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup and the top four teams at the Women's Nations Cup will automatically qualify for the FIFA World Cup in Australia and New Zealand with the two more teams going to the Inter-Confederation playoffs. Now 12 teams are taking part. Nigeria, South Africa, Cameroon and Zambia are among the main contenders. Uganda are there for only the second time and there's great excitement at their qualification. Here's some of the Crested Cranes players. This audio from FUFA, the Uganda Football Association.
2: My name
3: is Natasha Shirazi and I'm an attacker for Crested Cranes. When Uganda qualified for the Afcon 2022, it was like a big dream that came true. Not only for me personally, but also for Uganda as a nation. It's the first time for 20 years that Uganda will participate, and it's, it's like a blessing to be a part of this generation. I've seen a lot of talents in, in our team, and this is a time for them to show the world their talents. It's time for us to put Uganda on the map. Hi, I'm a Tracy Jones, a Crested Cranes player. It's a huge mileage for me to be part of the team that is going to play, and it's also a great opportunity for us as a team. It's going to help us as a team to expose ourselves and also go sell out our nations. I call upon all the fans to be behind us, to support us, because we are really determined to go not only to participate, but to compete in this tournament. Hi, my name is Vanessa Edith Karungi. I'm, I'm a goalkeeper at the Crested Cranes and B93 in Denmark. I'm so delighted and happy for this opportunity that Uganda is going to compete in the Total Energies Work this is a great opportunity for me personally, and then for the country. It will help us to to improve in our football style, and uh, as well get more more players play professional. Since we shall put Uganda on the map, and more scouts will come and spot the talent out here because we have a lot of talented players
0: in Uganda. There's Vanessa Edith Kaurungi ending those insights from the Uganda players, the audio from FUFA. So, as I say, Nigeria, South Africa, Cameroon and Zambia are among the main contenders. Next week, we'll look at who the champions might be. Uh, but, uh, Ida, what can we expect from Uganda and uh, some of the other smaller teams who've qualified? Right, Steve. So looking at
3: Uganda, and you can hear just what it means to them. They got a walkover into the tournament in the last qualification round, and that was after their opponent's Kenya withdrew. So granted, their road was a bit easier than others. It's the second time Uganda are in the Women's Nations Cup, as you've said there. The last time they took part in the Okun, which, Steve, we can now see is being referred to as the WAFCON, was 22 years ago. I mean, some of them hadn't even been born yet. (laughs) So the crested cranes exited at the group stage then, They are in a decently tough group now. Plus, they're also one of the lowest-ranked teams in the competition at 157, I believe. So, they will hope that they can, you know, notch up a win here, there, get some good goals, you know, and keep the hope alive. I mean, you never know. Their coach, George Lutalo, also handles a Uganda Premier League side. And they have been in a 10 day camp, that being the Crested Cranes, prior to the tournament. And they were set to face aside from the Moroccan Women's Premier League. So their preps are coming together. Looking at Togo, and they had more or less a similar path to Uganda in one of the rounds at least because they beat Sao Tome 5-0 before the island nation withdrew for the return leg. So that gave Togo a walkover. Then they overcame Gabon in the next round to qualify for a first Wafkan. Steve, the team is coached by Kai Tometti. She is a former international player, and she's been with the team for the last decade. And with this qualification, Steve, it pretty much justifies that journey, though it's not over. It's just the start. And with a couple of players, you know, based in France, mixed that with some of the local talent, they are sure to give it their best shot, I would like to think.
0: Yes, so you never know. Uh, as you say, uh, Togo, though, are long shots for what, uh, as you say, we're now calling uh, the WAFCON instead of the ALCON. So it's the Women's Africa Cup of Nations uh, rather than the Africa Women's Cup of Nations. That's what CAF is now calling it. And uh, Burundi among the other somewhat unlikely qualifiers, Ida.
3: Yes, Steve, Burundi is another team making its debut at this WAFCON. Now, it's the lowest ranked team at 169, but they have been taking part in tournaments prior to this, you know, regional tournaments like the Sakafa Senior Women's Challenge Cup in East Africa to, you know, pretty much sharpen their competition skills. And they have finally gotten to the highest continental level, Steve. It's definitely a big one for them they are coached by Gustav Nyonkuru. Now, he has overseen the transition of women's players pretty much from the under-20s all the way to the senior level. That's been since 2019, so for the last couple of years. And moving on, Botswana does make the fourth team in the tournament to be making its debut. Now, they are ranked at 138, and... For sure, we'll be relying on their more experienced players. You know, we are talking about a duo based in America of Ramafiki and Gale Kutle, And high chances are that they will be headlining the squad. Now, Burundi and Botswana have been pitted against two tournament favorites, though. Has to be said. South Africa and 11-time African champions, Nigeria. Now, with that said, Steve, underestimate them at your own peril because Botswana has pretty much gone from a team that was beaten 14-0 by South Africa two decades ago when women's international football was just starting in their country to eliminating Banyana in the qualifiers for the Olympics three years ago. So safe to say that women's football has indeed developed in the country. All in all, Steve, we've seen some big underdog stories this year and looking at these teams, many experiencing this level for the first time, some for the second. They'll hope that they can be the next big underdog story.
0: Yes, Botswana have improved and things are changing all the time in women's football in Africa. This is an expanded 12-team tournament up from eight teams. The 2020 edition of the Women's Nations Cup was cancelled because of COVID and it was not rescheduled uh, somewhat controversially. It's back with a bang, though, with four automatic World Cup places and two playoff places, meaning half the teams could qualify for the World Cup at this tournament.
3: Absolutely, Steve. The 2022 edition will be the biggest one yet, you know, courtesy of the expansion. And this is a really great opportunity for the smaller teams to make a name for themselves. I mean, we saw it with the men's AFCON and hopefully it'll be more of the same with the ladies. Now, it will be televised across Africa And it will be a good chance for these ladies to be known by a wider audience. And as you've heard one of the cranes say there, hopefully even get the scouts ears up. You'll remember, Steve, how the 2018 Orkin, for example, really built Tembi Katlana's name. Now, she was good even before. But in my opinion, that was really the thing that catapulted her to continental fame, you know. So between the Olympics last year, though that featured only one African team in women's football, I believe that was Zambia. But between that and the FIFA Women's World Cup coming up, then the profiles and international exposure of these different teams in the continent is sure set to rise.
0: Yeah, certainly. Well, thanks, Ida. More on the WAFCon on next week's show. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. As still to come, Stuart looks at why Sadio Mane might have decided to leave Liverpool. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. We're now to our interview with Aston Villa's Zimbabwean midfielder, Marvellous Nakamba. Nakamba is 28. He left Zimbabwe for France when he was just 18, a later move to play for Vitesse in the Netherlands and for Club Bruges in Belgium before signing for Aston Villa in 2019. He became the fourth Zimbabwean to play in the English Premier League. Now Nakamba's usually been fighting for a place in the first 11, but he did very well under new manager Steven Gerrard last season and was voted Fans Player of the Month last November. Uh, But soon after he suffered a serious knee injury and only returned towards the end of the season. Well, Nakamba's been back home here in Zimbabwe for a few weeks, and my colleague Simba Chiminia spoke to him first about the frustration of the injury.
1: Yeah, of course, when I was injured, it happens in football, but... When it happened, also it was the time when I was enjoying my game. But with the support that I had from the technical staff, my teammates, everyone around Aston Villa, my family also, they flew over to UK that time when I was injured. So I had everyone on my side. So, of course, it was disappointing. but. Yeah, like injuries happen in football and finally I'm thankful now I'm back, fit 100%. And with the support that I got from my teammates, like technical staff, my family, Aston Villa also, it was overwhelming and also I think it made me to recover well and to come back quickly.
4: You know, many people were really enjoying it, especially when uh, Steve Gerrard took over and it seems that uh, you started playing with so much confidence and it seems that the coach had so much confidence in you and is there anything that he told you when he came over to be the manager of Aston Villa uh, that's something special?
1: Yeah, He spoke to every player when they came and also it was after international break when I went back there, yeah, I had a chat with the technical staff, with the gaffer, also Steve G. And also for me, to be coached by him, for me, he was my role model growing up here in Zimbabwe. Watching him playing in the EPL and also now having the opportunity to be coached by someone that you looked up to. He's so amazing and everything. And also him, personality, he's a leader, he's a winner. And now, as a coach, also is someone who's there for the group who's there for every player and someone who has pushed everyone in the club and is someone who's wants everything concentrated 100% each and every time. Being on time and training, alertness in training and everything is someone who is so professional. Like, yeah. And did you also get a chance to tell him that uh, you are my horror role model yeah. growing up? Yeah, yes, of course, I told him. Much, of course, like now, his business, is the gaffer now. And also, by being called by him, he's so supportive to his players and everything. And he's someone who's open also and honest also to everyone in, inside the dressing room also. And I think looking forward to keep on improving and growing. And the new season is coming up uh, and your target is getting in there? Yeah, of course, like the new season coming up, of course, to push myself more and more and more and give everything for the club and also keep on improving myself. And uh, also there have been
4: some new acquisitions at Aston Villa, the midfielders also coming in uh, and, uh, you know, many people start uh, getting worried. Is Mave going to keep his place in the team?
1: Yeah, I'll train hard and keep on improving and keep on trying my best and giving everything for the club. I think speculation will be, always be there. I think there have been players who have been there since I've been at Aston Villa. I just have to focus on my game and keep on improving and give everything for the club. And also looking forward to playing alongside my new teammates and everything.
4: And Mavi, you are the probably the best player in Zimbabwe at the moment and many people will be looking forward to you. The pressure that comes up with that tag of being the best player and everyone else wanting to see what Mavi is doing, you know, everything that comes up with it.
1: Yeah, with the support back home, I think it keeps me moving and also I think I've been with people, Muntu Mumuntuwan to like growing up in the ghetto and everything and now everywhere I go, even in the city center or I'm in the village, for me, I'm still the same person.
0: So that's Aston Villa's Zimbabwean midfielder, Marvellous Nakamba, speaking to Simba Chiminya, And Marvellous has been very busy back here in Zimbabwe for a few weeks. He's been working with his charitable foundation and began construction of a sports complex in the city of Bulawayo. And also he's made many public appearances over the last few weeks, getting to meet his fans and getting involved with several charities. Uh, so we'll see if Marvellous Nakamba keeps his place uh, in the Aston Villa starting lineup this coming season. Uh, certainly there's lots of competition for the midfield spots at Villa we well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. We go to social media, and last week we asked, how much difference does a coach make? Now, we heard from Nigeria's Ola Aina, and with Nigeria having appointed a new coach, Aina told us, it could help, but ultimately it's down to the players. Anyone could be in the job, but it's down to us as players to strive and achieve goals. Uh, so we asked, how much difference do you think a coach can make? Uh, do you agree that it's more about the players than the coach? Uh, let's start in Nigeria, and Nelson Masok says, I beg to differ and disagree. Uh, where is the tactical play coming from? With practically the same team, Gernot Rohr, the former Nigeria coach, qualified us for the World Cup in 2018 and took us to third place at the 2019 Nations Cup of which Augustine Eguavon could not do with almost the same players, says Nelson. Uh, so without a formidable coach, your players are just a bunch of individual talent with no blend or cohesion. And we saw how individual talent couldn't help the super-equals at the 2021 AFCON, says Nelson. And Vincent Azubike in Ghana added that even over the two-legged World Cup playoff against the Black Stars, Nigeria's individual talent couldn't help as well. As Sideko Suno is in the Gambia, Sideko says, yes, I agree with Ola Aina, the players have their own final say in a team. And Benjamin Dube in Zimbabwe says it's very true because the coach can do everything he can from the touchline, but if the players don't come to the party, it'll all come to nothing, says Benjamin. Uh, Charles Divine is in Nigeria. Charles says, yes, I fully agree with Ola Aina. Honestly, the players have the final say in a team. But Inch Kabaz in Ethiopia says it's down to the coach. Emmanuel in Nigeria says, I concur with what Ola Aina said. The players have more work to do. And agreeing is Balong Baji in the Gambia. Balong says, for me, coaches can't unilaterally make massive differences, even where their ideas are clearly spelled out. Uh, The players must put those ideas into full action to make things happen, says Balong. And a Sam Ulay-Arkati Jr. says it's about 50-50 because they need a coach who will teach them how to play the formation or system through which they can succeed. And The coach also needs players that will fill in the system or formation that he wants to teach and this then will carry the team to winning ways. And finally, Donna Uzogo says, as a player, Ola Aina is not supposed to underestimate the power of a coach. This shows they have no respect for the type of coach we hire in Nigeria. Well, thanks for that, Don. Thanks to everybody who got in touch. Uh, Interesting comments there. And uh, we're going to go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, a show brought to you by Passion for Sport. Let's get a bit more insight on this issue over whether it's the coach or the players who make the biggest difference. Uh, Stuart, what are your thoughts looking back at this
2: past season in the English Premier League? Uh,
0: Did changing the manager work?
2: Well, the financial implications of where you finish in the Premier League table are really so significant that it has tended to create a culture of what you might call, when in doubt, fire the manager. For most clubs, relegation is a great fear, where you lose such a significant amount of your income in terms of television revenue. Equally, the so-called top six clubs, for them, failing to qualify for the Champions League is seen as an economic disaster. In the season that's just ended, nine of the 20 Premier League clubs changed the manager in mid-season. In fact, six of the bottom seven replaced the manager. All but Southampton. Burnley, Watford and Norwich City, as we know, were relegated. And a manager change there didn't help. My feeling is that it's as much about the players. Uh, that's a good point that, that we heard perhaps as much about the players as the manager. And frankly, I thought that Watford and Norwich City never looked as if they had a squad of players good enough to survive in the Premier League. Leeds United and Everton finished one and two places above relegation, so you might say that their change of manager was successful, but only just. Now, during the season, Tottenham, Newcastle, Manchester United, Aston Villa, Everton, Leeds, Burnley, Watford... And Norwich, she ain't managers. And I would say that only Tottenham and Newcastle could be said to have been a clear success. Manchester United definitely seemed to get worse. Newcastle were in the bottom three when Eddie Howe was appointed. In fact, they stayed in the bottom three until February. And then a winning streak took them up to 12th. Tottenham were top of the league in September under new manager Nuno. But by November they dropped to 9th and Nuno was gone. In Antonio Conte, they appointed an outstanding manager with previous Premier League experience and top club managerial experience, and it proved to be an inspired move, which took Tottenham, many would say surprisingly, into the Champions League. Of course, the problem is, Steve, there's no way of knowing what would have happened if those clubs who changed the manager had not changed the manager. So trying to assess whether a particular decision was an inspired move or not is very difficult.
0: Uh, indeed, yeah, but to some evidence there then that to what Allah Aina says uh, of the role of the players uh, uh, being a very key one uh, indeed. Um, thanks for that, Stuart. Uh, so the big news in African football this week: uh, Senegal's Sadio Mane moving to Bayern Munich from Liverpool on a three-year contract after a highly successful six seasons with the Reds.
2: Um, what do you make of the move, Stuart? Well, when the news broke that Sadio was considering leaving Liverpool, I was very surprised. Liverpool are one of the top teams in Europe, and one wondered where could he go that would be better. Well, he decided to move on. And as we said last week, when Liverpool signed the Uruguayan Darwin Nunes, it did seem to confirm that one of their main strikers was leaving. Mane is 30. He's been at Liverpool for six years, scoring 90 goals in 196 league games. That's almost a goal every two. Born in Senegal, he spent three years in France, then two in Austria, before signing for Southampton in 2014. I would confess I knew very little about him, but in his two seasons with Southampton, he scored 21 Premier League goals, which brought about his move to Liverpool. Steve, they said that confession is good for the soul, and let me put my hand up and say that you will find somewhere in your archives from 2016 me saying that I was not convinced that Mane would be a success at Liverpool. What do I know? This season has been quite a season for him, as you say. He's played 67 times. Remember that in the previous programme we talked about uh, how somebody had worked out that Mane had travelled 90,000 kilometres to play football in the last year. Manny played a total of 67 games, scoring a total of 33 goals and scoring in 29 different games this season. Pretty good record. At international level, he helped Senegal qualify for the World Cup and win the AFCON. With Liverpool, he chased four trophies, winning two, the FA Cup and the League Cup, and finishing runners-up in the League and Champions League. An amazing season, really. But one thing which did surprise me looking at the statistics is that he received 10 yellow cards during the season. So there's a certainly an edge to his game. As to why he decided to make the move at this stage, one can only speculate. Perhaps he felt he had achieved all he could with Liverpool, or that he needed a new challenge. Perhaps he found the past season too demanding for him now that he's reached 30. I mean, to compare England with Germany, England has two domestic cups, Germany only one. There are 34 league games in the German Bundesliga, compared to 38 in the English Premier League. Liverpool, of course, did better than Bayern in the Champions League and therefore played more games. But it's interesting to compare Liverpool's 63 games this season with Bayern's 47. Munich is a city in the south of Germany, close to Austria and Switzerland, it has a population of 1.5 million, or 6 million if you include the suburbs and surrounding conglomeration. Bayern has been the dominant club in Germany, having been league champions incredibly for the last nine seasons. They've won the Champions League six times, including 2020, but that was their only Champions League victory in ten years. Their main striker in the last few years has been Robert Lewandowski who has scored 238 league goals in eight seasons. But he's already 33, and there are rumours that he may leave the club. Other strikers at Bayern include the Cameroonian Eric Chopomoting and Serge Gnaby, German, but with an Ivorian father. It's an interesting move for Mane. I can see him flourishing there. Whether Nunes can settle in quickly and score as many goals as Mane for Liverpool Is another question.
0: Yes, indeed it is. A bit surprising, I thought, for Mane to Liverpool, having done so well there. But uh, uh, surely he uh, would be set for a good spell at uh, Bayern Munich uh, in Germany. And uh, Stuart uh, Tottenham's Harry Kane has been acknowledging the help of the American football legend uh, Tom Brady.
2: Yeah, Brady, the uh, quarterback who won seven uh, Super Bowls. Well, he and Kane apparently started an exchange on Instagram before meeting and becoming friends. Kane said that he admired Brady's self-belief more than anything. And in a recent interview, Kane said that when he was 19, he was nowhere near the Tottenham First team, was sent out on loan four times was with Championship Club Leicester City and couldn't get in the first team there. And he just thought, if I can't even get in the Leicester team, what chance have I to play for Tottenham? And then he stumbled across a documentary on Brady on um, YouTube, which showed how Brady had been the 199th player on merit in the NFL draft and had gone on from there to become the greatest quarterback ever. And that inspired Kate, and the rest, as they say, is history. Finally, Steve, I need to tell you that Paul Hartley has just been appointed manager of Hartlepool in League Two. And he's not the first person to have an appropriate name. Napoli, in Italy, in the 1980s, had a player called Fernando di Napoli. And, of course, there was Peter Cech, the Chelsea goalkeeper, whose nationality was, well, of course, Czech. And the German club Wolfsburg once had a manager called Wolfgang Wolf. This may be stretching it slightly, but we could possibly mention Arsene Wenger at Arsenal. (laughs)
0: Uh, that's quite brilliant Uh, thanks a lot for that Stuart Uh, other transfer news of note uh, by the way Ivory Coast forward Sebastian Haller is uh, going to join Borussia Dortmund from Ajax as a replacement for Erling Haaland who's gone from Dortmund to Manchester City and uh, Haller's uh, transfer is likely to cost around $32.5 million including bonuses remember he was uh, really really good in the Champions League last season scoring 11 goals in 8 games Uh, that's a big transfer there Sebastian Haller going to Borussia Dortmund in Germany. And before we go, this week on social media, we're asking, uh, should Sadio Mane have left Liverpool? We heard there from Stuart saying there'll be fewer games for him uh, now that he's gone to Bayern Munich uh, from the Reds on a three-year contract. Uh, but he did so well in those six seasons uh, with the Reds. So what do you think? Is this a good move for Sadio Mane? How will he do at Bayern Munich? And should he have left Liverpool? You can post a comment on our Facebook page that's Planet Sport Football Africa or send us a WhatsApp to +447955232780 that's +447955232780 should Sadio Mane have left Liverpool well that's it for the show for this week, so from Eastie Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.